Coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California, I'm Katie. I'm Anne. And I'm Karen. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Welcome, everybody. Um, it is November. I had to think about this. Um, <laughs> still November. Right. Um, our uh, book this month was my choice. Um, but before we dive too deep into it, what are you guys working on tonight? Anybody? I am making a soapy scarf. Oh, yeah. By Petite Knit. I started this, I think, in the summertime or maybe even the spring. And I rediscovered it while uh, moving things around yesterday. And I thought this would be the perfect brainless thing to work on right now. That's great. Yeah, I have one so. of those started somewhere and maybe someday I'll get back to it. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> I still can't remember what this cotton is. Oh, it's, it's an Araconia. Thank you. I something. Wanted, I thought it was Araconia. Yeah. The colors look that way. Very. Um, but I couldn't remember for sure. It's... Um, wildly different dye lots but probably the same color mm -hmm. <laughs> so are you blending, blending them nice yeah. that's great um i am cross-stitching a project that i have had in this hoop for like three years <laughs> and then i found it this week <laughs> you know i was cleaning Is things seasonal? Up out of my office and i found it this week um it's santa claus and he was oh. almost done he just i just needed oh, to do stamp. like the border oh um so this is a um, frosted pumpkin pattern called Pen Pals, which I think is the like postage stamp. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is called Here Comes Santa Claus. So he's standing on a little roof. He's got a bag of goodies. Um, I just did the border for like the little postage stamp and I found, figured out that I have like a tiny stain on it right here. And I don't know what it came from, but it's been, you know, this project has been on hold for... Um, Many years. Yeah. I don't know why I stopped, but this is the time of year that I feel like cross-stitching. Right. I just mm -hmm. thought it was a new project because it's no. like holiday time. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, oh, I should finish Santa Claus. Nice. Um, so that is uh, what I am working on. I'm then you'll feel very like justified in your new Christmas cross-stitch yes. in a little while. The Christmas cross-stitch I started last year and didn't work on, which I want to get back to. Oh, so that's brand new. That doesn't Yeah, ba basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. I have done little to nothing on it. Uh, Karen, what are you doing? Well, I I'm pausing on a project that I'd started last earlier in the year, or actually last year, um, because I had it. I have a pattern that was supposed to be out last December. Looks like it's going to be this December. And so last year, I thought, oh, I'm going to make another sample from my design, um, and then it just got to put on hold when the other dragged out, and I'm. I'm at the place where I've, I'm halfway on the body. It's top down raglan in Tunisian crochet that does like a color fade. And part of me was like, I have enough stash from the same yarn dyer, but in brighter colors to do a stripey thing that she and I talked about doing a collab on, you know, version of it last year. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, well, since it's actually going to come out this year, maybe I'll put the other on hold and chain on a new one so, nice so i have i only have the one hook but fortunately with crochet i can put that one on a side and with tunisian especially with tunisian crochet i made sure that i got all my live stitches taken care of 
and uh-huh. now I'm going to start a new version, a new one. Nice. Just a more, a little more scrappy. Cool, cool, cool. That is uh, definitely a plus of crochet, that if you can keep track of your hook to start with, <laughs> yes, you can take it everywhere and start 100 projects in that same gauge and yep. whatever. Well, I'm kind of addicted to her yarn, and I got one of her mystery fluff bags that has all these mini skeins of the fluff, and I'm like, who is hey. it? This is Teal Torch Knits nice. out of Portland, Oregon, and it is a Surrey alpaca. That's the thing I like about it is that like it, apparently it's a Surrey alpaca in silk. It's lace weight, but I'm doing it on ginormous, a really big hook. So it's meant to be open and airy, but the fluff fills it in. Uh-huh. I don't think you could do this with a regular yarn because you need the fluff mm-hmm. to fill it in. And the it's radical threads. It's coming out. Um, and the issue for the fourth issue, um, the theme is air. So this is a very light, airy yeah. transitional sweater. Cool. All right. Well, the um, book we are here to talk about today is Wayward by Amelia Hart. Um, <clears throat> I have the little, well, I just have the back of the book cover synopsis, basically. But, um, okay, it says... 2019, under the cover of darkness, Kate flees London for a ramshackle wayward cottage inherited from a great aunt she barely remembers. With its tumbling ivy and overgrown garden, the cottage is worlds away from her abusive partner who tormented Kate. And she begins to suspect that her great aunt had a secret, one that lurks in the bones of the cottage hidden ever since the witch hunts of the 17th century. Alva is awaiting trial for the murder of a local farmer who was stampeded to death by his herd. Oh, sorry. This is 1619. Um, as a girl, Alva's mother taught her magic, a kind not rooted in spellcasting, but in deep knowledge of the natural world. But unusual women have always been deemed dangerous. And as evidence for witchcraft is set against Alva, she knows it will take all of her powers to maintain her freedom. 1942, as World War II rages, Violet is trapped in her family's grand crumbling estate. Straightjacketed by social societal convention, she longs for the robust education her brother receives and her mother long deceased, who was rumored to have gone mad before her death. The only traces Violet have of her are a locket bearing the initial W and the word wayward scratched into the baseboard of her bedroom. Weaving together the stories of three extraordinary women across five centuries, Amelia Hart's Wayward is an enthralling novel of uh, feminine resilience and the transformative power of the natural world. So, what are our what are your thoughts? What are your initial reactions? How do you feel about it? I loved it. Yeah, I loved every bit of it. Ditto. Same. I intentionally did not speed through it because, <clears throat> like a really nice meal, I wanted to savor it because there was there's so much information and so many ways that these women are connected, and I didn't want to speed through and not. And I didn't want to miss something. Yeah. I also loved it. Um, I listened to it on a road trip. So it was like two large chunks of listening to it, um, which was good because I got it, you know, listened to in time. But I felt the same way where it was like, I, I, I could have been a little longer. Like it could have, not that like the story didn't wrap up, but I wasn't ready for it to be done. Right. Um, I really, really loved it. I thought it was a satisfying wrap mm-hmm. up though. Yes. Um, and I just I need to read it again. Listen to it twice already. Good, good. Yeah, um, we were supposed to record last week, so I would have been a little fresher in my memory, and I regret not re-listening to it. I don't think I would have had time. Um, but 
I wish it were fresher in my mind because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, very good. I am looking like obviously I I think this saga is done. Like there's yeah. not more to hear from these women, even though we would enjoy right further stories. Um, but I do look forward to more from this author. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I, it was fantastic. Now I'm, like waiting. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, this is her only book. Right. I hope it's not like um, the Witches of New York, where. I've been dying for more. I want, I do want more from those characters, Uh huh. but there's nothing. There's like a, there's little, nothing left. There's like a little short story, I think. Um, yeah. Around there, but give me more. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about the books that we have read and we love a good, witch a good woman story. Kind of oh, book, yeah. Cause we listened, we read, um, <laughs> what was the one about Anger Boda? Uh, um, that's the Weaver's Heart. The, or the witch's heart the witch's heart yeah we read that it's the witch and the weaver is the next book yeah 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 yeah. I have um, up. the witches of new york uh-huh. i feel um, like there was another one there is everybody knows your mom's a witch yep um there's been more though i think yeah but we we love we apparently love that genre yeah like well, um there's the one, one with the woods with the house yeah. yeah that is called what is that the one called? with the woods in the I house i really love that one too i thought oh, about the, listening to it again the one with the church yes. yeah small angels small yes. angels yep that was a good one oh, I really similar like that. Uh, yeah <laughs> this is a good genre for us i didn't have time to listen to it because i've been borrowing so many books from the library <laughs> mm-hmm. so i kept thinking this is the right time to re-listen to this yeah um small angels but yeah um okay cool well i'm glad you guys both enjoyed it It it's been on my list since it came out um in 2019 i think or 2020 um oh no it says it was first published this year is that right when it makes sense because when i i had it already like borrowed from the library but i was on a waiting list Uh uh-huh and i thought um for the audiobook, and I thought, oh, it's not going to come in time. I'm probably going to need to buy it. Uh-huh. And I walked into the library, and it was right on the new release. Nice. And then I got two skip the line versions from gotcha uh, from the Los Angeles library. Well, it has been on my list since uh, February, I guess, when it came out because I read the synopsis or the back of it at I think I was at Tambor and looked at it, and I thought, oh, I want to read that. Yeah, you're not so far behind. No. What's, what's hot and new? <laughs> My uh, to-be-read list isn't that old, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Well, I found... S- I f- there were a lot of resources for book club questions for this book, which oh, I thought was great. Which is nice. Yes. sometimes it's hard to find them. Yeah. This is from Macmillan. Um, and I've got a list of some questions, so we'll just jump right into it. Um, first question says, consider the evolution of the name Wayward. And the way women in this novel receive it. Why and how do the wayward women grow to accept and proudly own this name? Why do you think more recent versions of Macbeth have been replaced, have replaced wayward with weird? Um, well, they couldn't have possibly meant anything except that the women were weird. Just weird. Yeah. Like nothing, <laughs> no deeper connotation. No, no their, special, you know. space in, in society. Yeah. No, just they're weird. Just weird. Yeah. Um... I could see, I don't know if this is how the entomology works, but I could see how that, how that word becomes that other word, you know, I don't know if it's replaced or if that's just how the word has changed meaning over time. Well, at the time that Shakespeare was writing too, there's no, there wasn't, um, like, like I'll bet he's responsible for a lot of standard spellings. Oh yeah. Going back to him. Definitely. Is a place where people have pulled a lot of standard spelling. Yeah. Sidetrack. Did you know that Shakespeare was actually literate? And a woman wrote his work. 
there's the there's there's a there's okay, a theory out there. Stating it as fact. <laughs> there's a theory out there that he his work he was illiterate. So it's a theory, but he that he didn't actually write his no, plays. I can't put stock in that. I just finished. I just haven't had a chance to. This okay, is the rumor mill. Was, okay, <laughs> let me. I'm gonna yeah, go ahead and text I'm my cousin gonna... who's getting her master's degree okay. in um. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> because like it's I Shakespearean. Just, on my list of finished books is Hamnet and yeah. That's a focus on, um, they never name him specifically, but it's very clear that it's about Shakespeare and his children and his wife. It's focusing on her and the children. Mm -hmm. But he was a Latin scholar who like met his wife because he was tutoring the children of that family. So I don't. And I mean, yeah. Sorry, Karen. I would need more. <laughs> I would. I would I'll, need I'll, a I'll, scholarly response. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm gonna type out a text to my cousin and see what she says. Yeah. Um, In the meantime, it's uh, interesting. It is interesting how history plays with us, and that there are probably because a lot the person of who wrote like the idea is that it was actually a woman who wrote his stuff well what's interesting too about this is that maggie o'farrell is the author of hamnet and another book on my list of finished reads is her um, memoir and she writes about how she was studying that um perhaps um there were many medieval pieces that were actually written by women and claimed by men i don't know about shakespeare though that one that one sounds real contentious yeah USA Today says there's no evidence for that, but it's a fun theory to think about. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so the term wayward, meaning weird, but it's a family name. Yeah. Right. Um, the book spans over, what, five centuries. Mm -hmm. um, so back in, uh, what was it, for 16, 1619? I guess that's four centuries. Yep. Um, Alva... Is that right? Yeah. Math. Yeah, math figures. <laughs> well, I guess we would be in the fifth, the fifth of, of the those centuries. Named centuries, yeah. Um, so Alva is um, the daughter of a woman who was, I think her name was Elizabeth. Is that right? Ooh, the symmetry of that. Um, I could be wrong. Alva's mother um, was a wayward woman, right? And uh, mm -hmm. the, the town... It's sort of like Salem witch trial-y, like, you know, you accuse someone as a witch and they have to go to trial and very little evidence and, and all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, but that was their uh, family name, if, if I remember correctly. The other two, um, Violet and Kate, are both Ayers. That's their last name because yes. the... But Violet's mom... Violet, I thought you said Alpha's mom. Alpha's mom... They are waywards. Yeah. Alva and her mother are waywards. Yeah. Kate and Violet are Ayers. Yes. Because they're they inherit the waywardness from their mother's side of the family, right? But you have to take your father's okay. name. But Violet's mom is Elizabeth, who is also wayward. Oh, Violet's mom is Elizabeth. That's yeah. what I meant. Sorry. But but there's these symmetries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 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 waiting for the, all the questions. Yes. To see if they bring them up. Yes. I I think that they probably will. Yeah. Um. So how do the women like grow and accept are they proud to own that as their name like yes. yeah it's um <laughs> alva you know that's just her name right um violet wants to know more about her mother's side of the family because she doesn't know anything about her mother or where she came from or anything about her um 
and Kate is, well, I guess Kate inherited it from her father's side of the family, right? Because it's her great aunt. Yeah. But she didn't at first know what right. the W was. Right. She discovered it. Right. Um, That's Violet. N- neither of them did. Right. But uh, what's her face? Well, Kate, it's true. Fi- neither Kate, of them did know that Kate Wayward was the family name. Yeah. You're right. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> um, Alva was the only one whose story we know who um, who knew of these, uh, I don't know if I want to say powers, but the skills that she had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other two had to like learn it for themselves and to grow into it. Um, it says, The wayward women had always lived safely in Crowsbeck these last hundred years, and in that time had healed its people. We could use our ability to heal without attracting too much suspicion. The people were grateful for this gift. How does the knowledge of other wayward women help Alva, Violet, and Kate heal when they need to? Well, Alva was uh, like so gracious to be able to write this story because it ends up being the thread that saves both yeah. mm-hmm. Violet and Kate right? Um, by telling her full story. Mm-hmm. Which something I got stuck on is... We, I think we as readers have a privilege that Kate doesn't have about Violet. Mm-hmm. Which is? We know the details of exactly what happens, uh-huh. but Kate only gets to, like, she can only um, infer what happened. Right. She has to do a lot first, of researching. Yeah. Her only first hand report of what happened to Violet is finding her letter in the Grim Fairy Tales. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and talking to, uh, what was his name? Um, Frederick. Frederick. But Frederick doesn't, only Frederick's, like, yeah. revulsion of her, yeah. I guess? Yeah. Yeah. But not or specifically of her, because he, I guess he, he doesn't actually ever so mention. He's out of his mind, he yeah. thinks she's violent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Alva helped Violet and Kate pretty uh, clearly, right? Like. Yeah. It was it was really interesting. I I found it very satisfying when we learned that because for the first half of the book, I was wondering why it was set in two different like perspectives. Why yeah. Alva's was set first in her person. first person uh-huh. and the others weren't. And then it was very satisfying when that came when we came to know. I was like, oh, I'm reading her story. Like yeah, she's, like she's she re- that. yeah, it's so good. Um. Consider the ways that witchcraft shapes all three narrative threads. Who does society deem to be a witch? And what are the factors that fuel that kind of accusation? Um, well, there's a part as Alpha is telling her story near, near we're finally getting to the point mm-hmm. where she's reviewing her promise to her mother to never use her. That she's only allowed to use her gifts so much as it can put food in her belly. Yeah. And um and so that it's the connection with animals that is the thing that makes men fear them and deem yeah. them witches. Yeah. Um this connection with life that men never understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, there's something beautiful in this book. We're not it's it's not all men. <laughs> because because yeah. Graham mm-hmm. is lovely. Like we, I have a question about this later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, the thing that that is so mysterious about women—the ability to connect to make life—I <clears throat> think is the thing that yeah. deems any woman 
a witch because if you look through history it's access to knowledge demonstrating your knowledge and your ability to bring life into the world or prevent it from leaving the world yes Mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty yeah um a big theme of this book is is i mean it's their their connection to to nature and animals and plants and bugs and insects and all that but also like you said like bringing forth new life like there's a lot of babies in pregnancy in this book mm-hmm. um when i recommended it to my uh like family group chat i had to like uh give a little like trigger warning that there's a lot yeah. of stuff about babies going on and some people have problems with that mm-hmm. um so if you have any sort of difficulty reading about uh sort of birth or termination of birth and that genre i would say give this book a little asterisk yeah. but you're right in that it's like the the bringing forth of new life and um i was thinking about as i was reading this like are they witches or is that just a term that they call them but then it's like but what is a witch it's a term that applies to a mysterious woman right (laughs) so i'm like well maybe they're not actually witches maybe this is just like a special a special gift and skill that they have that they're born with but they're not they're not doing spells right right i think of a halloween witch no i think of them in terms of a midwife someone who's an herbalist someone who observes nature has a respect and a love for it right but has knowledge of how it is and based on that um care for mm-hmm. nature they i always saw i saw their their role especially you know both alva and her mom mm-hmm. as midwives jeanette i found it jeanette was her mother yeah that brings no symmetry no I no would have liked it but i saw them in the terms of midwives they are there to serve sure women in a way that the doctors clearly could not. They do know. have uh, like um, supernatural abilities, though. Right, like it's. I'm thinking almost though because they're just. Is better it supernatural listener. or is it just they're more in tune to nature? Well, maybe in the direct translation, of yeah. supernatural. Like right, they're super they're super outside of naturally me. skilled. Yeah, yeah, like a good, like an amazing athlete or a gifted right. scientist mm-hmm. or a gifted dancer, like. They They, just have this natural aptitude to listen to nature. Exactly. And when you find a good listener, don't you want to go back to them? Mm -hmm, Which mm -hmm. is maybe why nature is drawn to them. Right. I mean, this book, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine, because anytime I talk about spiders or other creepy crawlies, I'm like, I don't want to hang out with them, but... I kind of want to hang out with a bunch of bugs. (laughs) At least, like, her, like, Mirabella adores jumping spiders she uh-huh. thinks they're like as cute as puppies i would bet <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i mean they are cute i don't want to hang far out with as one. spiders go right? right they're the cutest of the spiders <laughs> but i do like i like how i keep the house spiders inside i knock down their webs i keep them inside but i didn't knock down one recently as my on my way out the door that was like behind the door you're you like know, you better appreciate this like, bug thank you mr spider see you later keep the black widows out uh, speaking of Nature, keeping on the topic mm-hmm. of people, their relationship with animals. So, are crows known to be social with humans? I mean, because yeah. that yeah. is kind of why they called them particular, is they had that they do have a particular connection with crows. Yes, yes. Um, they will find affinities with humans, especially if they provide. For and them. I think the crows were magical. Which that's um. There's a not witchy book that's almost witchy. It's the one. About like 
like climate change is ending the world and the girl is on the ship trying to circumnavigate the world. Oh, we saw that one. Yeah, we read that one. Uh, Migrations? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And she, I think of her often about oh, the, yeah. um, we talk about the state how of she birds. kept the crows from migrating because she kept them fed. Yeah. And no one would believe that was something she could do mm-hmm. until like some science, someone scientifically said, oh yeah, if you give them food, they stay. <laughs> is it, was it me just hoping that this was the case or did you, or was it true, I guess, um, that the... Uh, it's the same family of crows helping the, them the whole time? I was, I was going to say it was the same crow the whole time. Oh, I thought about that. Morgue, that's the yeah. crow's name. I don't know how long they live. I know they do live long. They do live long, but I but don't think they But from the human. first one to the last one, maybe not. I think it's, it's a supernatural family. Because they mentioned something about that. And they're regional. So they, they could all live and die and breed and you know continue how, well, in the same tree. It had modeled we modeled feathers yeah. like the uh-huh. a specific of white, yeah What's and they said genetic? something about it being genetic mm-hmm. yeah i mean if if we're talking about if we're gonna consider them as like actual witches mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. this is her familiar like mm-hmm. in the witch sense of the word then i could believe that this crow lived 400 years yeah like right Pair-Doo. exactly like <laughs> perdu so if if we're going more, which I like that they leave it very ambiguous, yeah. but if you're going more like literal witch translation, then I like to think that Morg is 400 and I don't know how many years old, almost 500 years old. Yeah. Um, but I'm equally comfortable with these are female crows. Yeah. <laughs> and they are showing up for their, their sister yeah. humans. I like like I'm comfortable with that yeah. too, but I do like the magical ambiguity there. Yes. The mysterious. Yeah um okay um let's see the The importance of the tree like in mm -hmm. each of the three of their lives yeah that the the crows are in the tree that was one of the like man i really like this book i gotta read it again (laughs) i would read it a third time whoa (laughs) also some space i think before i go a third time i i want to talk just real quick about how absolutely gorgeous this book cover is. i know thank you for bringing that up such a beautiful book The illustrator who illustrated this because I don't know, but it's an incredible book cover. There is a what a great like introductory novel for an author. Like it's so good. It reminds me is so cool. It's like a colorized. It's beautiful, and it's it has a little bit of a metallic. Yeah, I just noticed finish to it. Yeah, for the bugs. Um, I oh the dragonfly wings are almost Mm -hmm. iridescent. I had a friend so cool. who like crystal crystal glass or what was it? What it, shards of crystal? What the how she described the dragonfly wings all over Frederick's. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> May mayflies was that mayflies? Mayflies. No, they no. were damselflies. That damselflies. Oh, which is what? Yeah, that's that what that is guy probably is. an illustration of. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. Damselflies are smaller dragonflies. Yeah. I well, because I was thinking mayfly, which are like gnats, right? No, yeah. they're. Yeah, well, they're as annoying as gnats, but they're big, like, dam- probably like damselflies, not as big as dragonflies. <clears throat> they're disgusting, though, to me. Yeah. To me. I'm, I haven't gotten there on the, <laughs> on the mayflies. Damselflies, beautiful. Yes. Mayflies, not. <laughs> life, life affirming, even, for our dear Violet. But they have beetles here, too, that are yeah. that are beautiful. I mean, I'm... it it reminds me, okay, so it reminds me of those, the old... Audubon type of yes. illustrations, yes. lot of line work, yeah. only yeah. having like a wa a a vintage wash color wash to them. Um, so. 
I learned something disgusting today that you guys might know already. Do tell. Okay. <laughs> did you know that pincher bugs have wings and they fly? Yeah. Oh, I did, I did not need to know oh, that. I'm I sorry. so did not need to know that. Yeah. I'm sorry. But now you know too. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but pretty gross. They probably can't pinch you when they're flying. I've never been pinched by one. I don't they're think pincher so bugs pinch. They do. No, they. I have they heard do. they do. And it and it's it hurts, but a little bit. But you have to have when you're a kid, it hurts more. Your adult, I think my I I haven't had that problem as an adult. I've never kid, been pinched by a pincher bug. I think, but I also didn't make a practice of touching pincher bugs. Yeah, they're so disgusting. Yeah, like the rolling bullies, uh, I'll take them all day. Okay, unless they have the splayed out bodies i always picked you know, up like it. the little fringe the little ruffle yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. used to capture bees i used to pick up bugs i was the bug, bug like kid <laughs> i know they're fascinating uh trevor my middle child used to do that but he would be fascinated and we'd always have to watch him because after the fascination then he would stomp on them oh i'd be like no don't kill the bugs <clears throat> Okay, really quick aside story. Okay. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, I yeah. was pregnant with Dante, we were getting past his due date and we were it was a hot weekend and we were walking everywhere because we heard that would like move things along. Yeah. And so we went down to the beach and we let Dante or we let Alexander who was six play with, play in the sand and he's digging up um sand crabs, sand crabs, oh, sand crabs. and burying ladybugs because that's right around the time when the ladybugs mm-hmm. um spawn i don't know sure. <laughs> come out of their larval form okay so there's like know that like having you know, actually i haven't really noticed that the last few years i don't know if the weather changed but in march and april ladybugs everywhere in ventura mm-hmm. so he was burying the ladybugs in the sand <laughs> and carrying around the sand crabs <laughs> we're like he's murdering all these little <laughs> ladybugs what a little dexter you know and so i'm it's time to leave and he won't listen. And I knock the sand crab back into the sand. He's like, you killed it. <laughs> no. no <I> did <laughs> that's, not. Where, that's where that's he lives. That's the animal that belongs in the sand. <laughs> he likes it there. Not the one he <laughs> are, uh, oh my gosh. So actually buried. The ones with an exoskeleton, like the sand crab, are those invertebrates? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. I have another invertebrate story. Okay. But we'll I'm get back to, to these make... questions eventually. <laughs> we will. We will. Okay. When I only had two kids and Ian was really little, we went to um, a casting call for Kids Say the Darndest Things. And Trevor was too little, but they eventually needed more kids. So we went to Santa Monica. Um, the kids were playing this on the sand. And one of the producers was, you know, she's watching all the kids and she's fascinated because at that point, Trevor was digging things up. And he comes up to her and shows her this sand crab and she is totally freaked out. And she's like, where did he get that? I go, Oh, they're in the sand, like under my feet right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they hear you walking around. They're not going to come at you, at no, you. They don't want to, you know, be they don't want to be out. You're fine. But she was so freaked out that there were, that where That's she was right. standing, there was like life under the oh, sand. I love, <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. I was hoping we could find Jen Edwards who designed this cover and like follow her on Instagram or something, mm. but I'm not finding her. That's a bummer. So, so I love you. Um, okay. Um, so my next question says that we never hear from her directly. Elizabeth, who is Violet's mother, um, Elizabeth's actions have repercussions that trickle down to Violet and eventually to Kate. What do you make of the choice to not include her narration? 
how do she and Alva shape the present narrative, even though they're both long deceased? Well, we don't get an omniscient view of Elizabeth, but we do get one letter from her. Uh huh. To where her she explains what has happened to befallen her that's under. True. And I think that's very illuminating. Yeah. But I think the choice to not show us that until nearly the end. Yeah. Is part of us being able to like experience this maybe a little bit from the point of view of Violet? Sure. Because Violet's completely in the dark. Like the the way that Violet is isolated from society. She's yeah. like such a like she's so self-aware mm-hmm. that uh-huh. she should be someone who's allowed to be worldly. Sure. Like the cruelty of keeping her caged on the property. Yeah. It it did like on first pass it was very I didn't really like get the I didn't understand why. I thought maybe whatever happened with her mother freaked her dad out so her dad was like nobody leaves yeah except well not her graham got to leave yeah so instead it was misogyny (laughs) yes do um violet and kate both learn about elizabeth like simultaneously like when we like her read her letter is it simultaneous in the the same fashion because at some something I was trying to focus on, but I didn't like get done with the last hour on the second uh-huh. run through of the book was how she knows to use her locket to find the key uh-huh. to open the book in the attic uh-huh. to read it at the exact moment. Right, right, right. Um, Are you talking about Violet or Kate? Kate, when she's hiding yep. from bad guy. her a hole. Yep. Um, this is this happens in Violet's chapter. The letter is read. Okay. Um, I think I think we get snippets of it when Kate comes to it later, right? Because Kate finds, like, I think Violet found the book and the letter at the same time. Yeah, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kate found letters, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't find the book until she's in peril in the attic. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Um. We learn that Kate reread books she loved as a child for the comfort of the familiarity. How did the themes from various works of Shakespeare, The Secret Garden, and Grimm's Fairy Tales make an impression on both Kate and Violet? Do you have a book that you've returned to over the years? And what about it makes you keep coming back to it? Well, one I share with them, The Secret Garden. That book and movie make me cry i have like a very morbid thought which is i would sort of like the secret garden to be read to me while i'm dying okay (laughs) like hopefully i'm dying very very old in my comfy bed (laughs) somebody like reading that particular book to me it could change like you're on your sick bed yeah like i'm near death okay it it would be a wonderful like thing to be mixed Mm. into those last central experiences yeah um yeah, so Secret Garden. But I can't tell you why that book appeals to me because I've loved it since I was eight. You know? There's just books like that that like were important when you're a kid because it's like maybe one of the first times you read something that you're like, oh my gosh, this is so like whatever it is, right? So yeah. it's not necessarily that that book is the best book you've ever read. It's just that it was very important at that 
moment to like open your mind to be like oh my god i could read this book and it like takes me to this other place and i learn about all these fascinating people yes that's definitely true of a secret and the secret but it is one of the best books ever it's like (laughs) there's adventure she there's I mean, there's something about kids having a secret from the grownups that's yeah. kind of fascinating. Yeah. And also, watching, for me, watching the sick boy come to life, her extra energy is like, yeah, like the tra- getting into someone transforming form. grow because she mm. comes, she grows from being this like very petulant, spoiled, terrible child to being someone filled with compassion and empathy who can like have the patience to rebuild the garden and make mm-hmm. something that was mm-hmm. ruined beautiful and to the resilience of her circumstances also it was so tantalizing mm, the yeah. first pages when the cholera outbreak takes her family i think of that all the time <laughs> in fact i fondly named a sick sick day of our family cholera christmas <laughs> and i'm like i always have to preface we didn't have cholera <laughs> I didn't think you actually had yeah, cholera. It was norovirus. <laughs> um, my, I mean, like we were saying, loving books about witches, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite book as a kid that I read over and over was Matilda. That's my second. So I, I that's like perfectly <laughs> on yes. theme. But yes. I should reread that. I haven't oh, read it as an adult it probably since I was up. like in high school. It stands up. I should that's read. That's Roald yeah. Dahl, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I See, love Roald Dahl. Yeah. See. I read that the, the BFG. I love that book. I like BFG it, was not part of my childhood. Was that the one I about the grownups? No, that was the one about the uh, big, friendly, big giant. friendly giant. See, I probably would have liked that stuff. But my first Roa doll outside of Charlie, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory was the one where he talks about all the grownups being twits. And that, oh, that's called the twits. The, oh, the twits. The twi- and I hated twitches or something like that. Whatever it is, but I hated that so you know much. Yeah, really that sad. was my least favorite one. That I was like, if if this is a sample, a I was so disappointed. I thought I'll never read Roald Dahl because of this. I think, and I guess I'm missing out oh on, on a lot. Yes, you can read it now. It's still because except, that is not an example of his work, right? It's, no, it's called you the got, Twits. Yeah, you got yeah. James and the Giant Peach. You've got Charlie. Wait, and wait, the wait he Factory. wrote James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. yeah, that is one of my favorite well, movies. We you should read we the book. quote it's that all the time. Yeah. Um, did Roald Dahl stands out. up, which I mean, he did write for adults. He had a yeah. journalism career oh. as well. <laughs> um, I I recommend that you purchase your books carefully and buy them used because they are changing the language in Roald Dahl, oh. which I really um, I think is so important. But you're taking. Why are they? Then it's it's, it's not, so important to be mindful of language and to watch the harm it can mm-hmm. cause. But you should not be taking us like things are historically written in one way, yeah. And taking the opportunity to have a conversation about that language away, yeah, right. Because that has a danger in its own, right? <laughs> you like you need to, exp- yeah. I don't. I you, would rather. I'd yeah. rather so be careful about see, your purchasing. No, I would rather have read the twits the way it was than to have it be watered down or changed yes. because. I mean, how they're even allowing to change his work, then it's not his work. But it changes the flavor of his work. It's the it's the estate. His family has decided to do right, that. Right. It's I mean, just very dangerous. It's yeah, right up there with like banning it. books and yeah. I don't like it. Uh-huh. Like yeah. So but that's it's my nineteen eighty four. Right. I just think it's not nineteen eighty four because it's not the government saying sanctioning it's, it right it's right. not the government it's the, but it's the it's, idea behind it of, but it's the the idea that they have 
decided as a family that that's not how Roald Dahl would want to, doesn't want his books to be taken in a way that would harm anybody. So if he, like when it was that's... written back then, that was never his intention. But in current times, uh, language changes in a way that they mm-hmm. were like, that he never would have wanted that. So it would, it's representatory of him as an author to make those changes. Is their argument for it? So. I understand. I, I could see that. Yeah, because some things seen through a different generation's lens means something different. Exactly. And yeah, okay, I get that. Um, why do you think Simon, Rupert, Frederick, and John Milburn feel the need to establish dominance over the women in their lives? Because they're how weak. do how do Graham, Henry, and Adam Bainbridge differ from these men? So you've got Simon, who is Kate's abusive boyfriend. Monster. You've got Rupert, who is uh, dad. of the heirs, yeah. Yeah. Um, Violet's dad. Frederick is Violet's is cousin. Dirty, dirty pedophile. Very yeah. okay. bad person. Oh, yeah. John Milburn is the husband of Alva's best friend. Gotcha. Um, and then you've got Graham, which is Violet's brother. Yep. Henry, which is... Uh, is that uh, the bookkeeper, like the book stockist husband? Oh, I don't remember. Adam Bainbridge is the kid who goes to Alva and like invites her to the dance and is yes. nice to her. Yeah. I can't remember who Henry is now that I'm thinking of it. Um, let me see if I can Google it. Um, let's see. Henry. Uh, who's Henry? <laughs> I love the mobile she was making. So I know. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, well, we'll figure out who Henry is because I don't know who that is. Oh, Kate's father. Oh, yeah. Oh. Who, yeah. Caesar. Okay, got it. I, I never would have remembered that was his name. There was so much pain and sadness in this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that... Oh, she had a great father and that's right. She blamed herself. Yeah, that she lived with that unearned guilt. But the, like, gift of her child teaching her that she would give her life, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, like, the evolution and the healing that she gets to experience and, like, to be free, feel free to, like, love her mom. Like, yeah, yeah. She says, I love you to her mom when she's buying, they wrap up from buying the baby buggy. And she, there's a comment that they haven't said that to each other since she was a teenager. Yeah. And I tell my children, I love them every single day. Yeah. <laughs> and I make them respond. Yeah. I don't. Now you have them. to say it back. I don't make them. But Dante knows, like, I get my 15-year-old boy to say I love you back. <laughs> um, I don't make them say it. I, I love that <laughs> it also took Kate pregnancy to bring her and her mom back together yeah and that's where her mom realized got to realize that all the this weight that kate has been carrying right. all and of this time and admit that, that it, she wanted to help her i thought it the one not problem i had with the book but unnecessary thing i thought about the book was tying in violet in that aspect of kate's story where she was there the day that her father was killed Right, I didn't totally understand that. Like, I felt like maybe it was... I also didn't totally understand that. Um, Maybe it was, like, a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that I wanted to revisit that more carefully, and I didn't get back to it. Because she gets this feeling that... Something bad's gonna happen. Something bad's gonna happen, and she sees this vision of a 
bad, scary man and Kate. And Kate's a child at this point. And she goes to Kate and is on the road when Kate's father is in his accident. And she sees the face of the man who's driving the car. And it's the scary guy that she thought it would be. And but it's not because that scary guy ends up being Simon. Simon. But Simon's not the guy that hit her father with the car. No. Violet's mom had the same thing happen, though, that co- that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. of, like... Yeah. So she had a vision of Violet yes. bleeding in the cottage. Yeah. And so that's why she went with... What's his name? Yeah. Rupert. Rupert. Um, You're right. And so... Good job, Violet. Self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> but, like, but I wanted to look at that more carefully. Yeah, that was just an interesting part that was, like, sort of right at the end. And I was like, oh, I didn't... Uh, whatever um but yeah simon rupert frederick john milburn so simon is a piece of shit obviously he's Mm -hmm. the worst person i wouldn't know i don't know if he's the worst person in this book because all of the men well not all of them rupert frederick and john milburn are all on par oh gosh because john milburn's doing basically the same thing simon's doing Mm -hmm. oh that's a hard choice yeah rupert is just an overbearing (coughs) asshole father but not but to violet in in the sense of like his relationship with elizabeth right that's like basically the same thing mm-hmm. well they all so- their whole go- all of these men's goal is to be like dominating over these extremely special women because they want to either quell their power or to have access to their power or to use it for their own gain right so what kind of power does rupert gain by trying to push his his daughter off on frederick because you cannot tell me that he didn't know what kind of person frederick was to get married but i don't think that he was willing to acknowledge that frederick um he would he because he immediately blamed her he he didn't even ask her what happened he just he didn't care no he blamed her for the lack of connection for the lack of power he was going to get from Frederick. Yeah, I don't think connection. Rupert's goal with his daughter is to use her power. I think it's to squash it. Like mm. he saw her mother had the same thing and now this child is born. He can tell that she also has this connection and his goal is to put an end to it. And I think maybe he sees Frederick as an overbearing man who is able and willing to continue that for him um so to marry his daughter off to him would be perfect um even though it's her first cousin um gross yeah so So, gross so messed up um yeah um and i loved frederick surrounded by all the bugs yes it was so satisfying yes because you knew it like right off the bat why it was the way that it was it took kate a minute to figure it out but you're like oh she sent the bugs to me and you're like good (laughs) well you didn't know that it was that it was like who frederick was right until you learn from violet's perspective you're like oh that's the same guy yeah you're like that's the yeah but you kind of suspect well yeah but once you you knew you're like well yeah you deserve to be surrounded by bugs for your whole life yep i um the hard part about revisiting this book was knowing when frederick comes on the scene (laughs) What's going to happen to sweet, you know, 14-year-old Violet? She's not 14. She's 
Is she? She's older. She's like... 15 or 16, I think. No, I think she... Okay, I was thinking about this. For some reason, Kate's obviously, like, closer to her 30s. Right. Um, I believe that Violet is 17. Okay. And I think, um, Alva was around 2021. Well, here, Violet, 1926, and... There's something about her birth certificate. Um, when do we meet uh, Violet? 1940. Um, yeah, for some reason, 17 is 1942. I feel like she seems younger, though. Yes. Because of her isolation. Yeah. She's like both naive and savvy at the same time, though. Yeah. Like only forded because she's been. Yeah. Cage. And, and by her own will to learn what she can from stealing her brother's books. Yeah. Like, I love when she says she's 16, but still, that's a baby child. Oh, of course. Um, the, she says, father doesn't know how much Shakespeare I've read. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that she goes on and has a very full life. Yes. You know, it's so She good gets to, to travel and gets to do everything that she couldn't do, that she should have experienced younger it's interesting that we learn that so early on in the book that Violet is a well-traveled woman because Kate goes to her home and she sees all of the product of her of her life. Yes. So it's interesting. It like was I a feel salve. like this book, yeah, they did that on purpose to be like not everything's bad. Like something good's yeah. going to happen, we just wait for it. Um this question says describe Violet and Graham's relationship and its evolution oh, throughout the novel. Karen, I'm sorry. What? You were right. It was Mayflies. I thought it was damselflies. Maybe they're damselflies the same thing. are the good thing that oh that, that yeah. like bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. Mayflies were the plague that she sent. I'm sorry, Karen. okay, because damselflies right. are way too good for for Frederick. Well, I mean, I being he deserves by mayflies. Of any flies. Right, he I, deserves mayflies. Right, I imagined her marshalling them to help her. <laughs> I just you're right. okay. I was delightfully creeped out with the idea that every surface was covered with wings. From generation upon generation. Yeah. I was so creepy. Delightfully creepy. Um, so Violet in, and Graham. Their um, relationship at the beginning of the novel is their, you know, brothers Siblings, and sisters. Yeah. And they get on each other's nerves, right? But how sweet is Graham at the end when he's staying with her and helping her and standing up for her? And oh, it was and just... taking care of her when... yeah. In- you kind of knew because Kate sort of speaks fondly about her grandfather and like going to her grandfather's funeral and remembering as much as she could from being a, a young child. Mm-hmm. So you kind of knew going into it that Graham was a good guy, which was very satisfying when he was, you know, when he got the chance to be good because that was, I liked that part. Um. <clears throat> um. Well, yeah, he had it. Like, it, it's wonderful that. Graham could have been his mother's son or his father's son. Yeah. And that his love of... I mean, he saved her more than once. Though. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll have to put another bug in a jar for you. Oh, I know. That was so nice. <laughs> um, This question says, compare and contrast how Kate, Violet, and Grace feel about their pregnancies, which were a product... which were all a product of toxic relationships. Do you think Kate's decision to keep her baby was affected by what she learned about the earlier wayward women? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was kind of waiting for her to make the opposite decision. And she does think about it and inquire about it. And 
doesn't do it. Um, Violet's pregnancy is the product of, I mean, that it would have been bad either way, um, of her relationship with her cousin. Um, so she obviously made the right decision, I believe, in her circumstances. Yes. Um, and then Grace is Alva's friend who I don't remember if she couldn't, if she knew that the babies weren't going to make it or if she didn't want them to. Because the first one didn't. She had like three babies. It's both. She had two stillborns. Uh-huh. Because he built, beat the life out of them. Right. Um, but is it not that she couldn't do it or like physically or that mm. because he was so abusive that it wouldn't that I don't know. I Well, that's unclear. Right. And I think I mean, I think that he was beating the life out of them both. Yeah. And so your body, just like the tansy tea, mm-hmm. right. your body's going to reject anything extraneous to save sure. your vital functions. Right. So I-, I couldn't totally tell if it was her desire to save this third child from... Right, from the life that it was going to have. Right, because she says from such an ugly act, which you could imagine that being the brutal sex, or you mm. could imagine that being the, his true, his physical brutality of beating uh-huh. her right. endlessly. Right. Like, he treats the cows better. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I think that the whole, like, vision and trying to save Henry and Kate is this, like she makes the accident happen. Okay. Because she tells, she sees the red car coming to them. She Henry, makes the accident yeah, happen. Yeah, Henry and Kate are already crossing the road. The car is getting closer. Violet had to do something. She closed her eyes, focusing on the gold glint she discovered inside herself all those years ago. As the crow called to her great niece, Violet felt its oh, cry. yeah. So Kate runs into the street because she's going after the bird. Right. And Henry has to reach for her because she ran after the bird. Right. And so your understanding of her seeing the wrong bad man. Yes. So it's like the sight just leads them down, both down the same gilded yeah. path. And in that path, yeah. <laughs> Except it helped Alpha, though. Because Alpha sees Grace at the... In the, the field. bonfire thingy. Yeah, at the festival. Right. And she sees her bleeding. She doesn't know how to interpret it, but she knows that her friend is in trouble. Uh-huh. I couldn't tell but if she was having a vision own or if she too. actually saw her. I think um, it was a vision because I think it makes it, the book makes it pretty clear that they all she have She was there visions. and then she disappeared. There was something that, about that. that. Yeah. I like the idea of it being more of a vision, but I thought, well, it wasn't clear to me. Yeah. But that's the whole point of visions. They're not clear. But I guess that vision, too, leads to Alpha's imprisonment and, to- and torture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, how do the traumas that Kate and Violet each experience affect how they view themselves? How do they work through this and how do they arrive at new perspectives by the end of the novel? Um, I loved Kate's evolution in this. From being like the perfectly like pristine, like uh, withering, yeah, <laughs> Barbie like, doll, exactly to being like the like she shaves all her hair off. Yep. She starts wearing these like crazy clothes she finds in her aunt's closet. <laughs> She's making a a mobile out of 
sticks and bones and yeah. shiny stuff in the woods. She's yeah, I love I loved Kate's whole like uh Return character arc. It, that yes. was it was so good. Yes. Um she I don't think well she's the only one who really gets a character arc. Because Alpha we just get this snippet moment. of her life, uh-huh. Violet, we see her beginning and her end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't get so to we experience. So we know she grew and changed. Yeah, but... the, the the growth itself. That's yeah. true. So um, maybe it's really mostly Kate's story, but this is the foundation yeah. of her heritage. I could mm-hmm. see that. That makes what happens to her and how it makes it makes it make sense. Yeah, I mean, it begins and ends with Kate, <clears throat> so I do think you're right in that that's mostly her story and learning to find her power through her connection to the previous generations of women mm-hmm. in her family. Uh, this novel follows the lives of three different women in three different time periods. How did the movement between these perspectives affect your reading experience? In what other ways were these women linked aside from just their familial ties? So it oh, takes place here's in this the link. Okay. Okay. First question was, how did this affect your reading experience? Right? Yes. I thought it was very artfully done. Mm-hmm. Like, They're very distinct. Um, like, you can imagine all of these different scenarios, right? And even yeah. though they all lived in this same cottage, I could imagine oh, three separate worlds, worlds yeah. you know, for each of them. Which, that I think the author did a really, like you said, artful job at, at explaining that. Because in the pl- present day 2019... It just feels like this old, decrepit, little, sweet, little cabin, right? right. In uh, the f- uh, 40s? Mm-hmm. 1942, right? It's this gross, run-down little place that is, but it's her own, right? Yeah. You know, she comes mm-hmm. from this, most of her a Violet story is told from this big, beautiful Grand. estate. Yeah. So you're envisioning that sort of world for her. And then Alva is like... This is I don't I I have a harder time picturing the 1600s because I yeah. didn't live don't, there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't live then. Well, I didn't live in the 40s either. But. <laughs> well, same house, different, uh, less less neighbors. Yes, <laughs> yeah, different surroundings basically. Um, what other ways were these women linked aside from their familial ties? Okay, so things that you spot through all three of their experiences. Yeah. Well, so they have the same gifts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. They so there's the the ever presence of the trees to climb. Mm-hmm. There's um, the forest yep. beckoning or foreboding. Um, there is a rabbit and a sensitivity to a rabbit in each of the three of them. Oh, really? Yeah, a rabbit. Yeah. So near the end of Alpha's story, she's talking about. Um, it's kind of when she's talking about like understanding their natural gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, they, her and her mom come across a dying rabbit and she, mom lays hands on the rabbit and tells it to go with peace and they like stay oh, with yeah. it until it dies yeah mm-hmm. um, early on um, I can't I don't remember if Frederick's there yet or not but um, Violet is faced with eating rabbit stew yep Oh. And she can't stomach it. Yep. And um, and then when Kate has her car accident in the woods, she's trying to avoid some roadkill. 
and it's a rabbit. Wow. Oh, wow. So I don't know what that, like, I'm glad you means. reread this book. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. Interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, our wonderful Morg. Yep. Who may have traveled through through the eons I like for to her. think it's him. I like that, too, actually. But I'm happy. I'm happy the crows are there. Yep. Uh, and then they're tied together through abusive men. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I th- did think it was interesting that because not all men, right? And yet they are attract. That is what that comes across their comes across their, their path. path. Yeah. yeah. Now, in in each of the cases, the men did not seem abusive to to attract oh, at first. No, none of them seem abusive no. at first. No, they were most sparkling. Yeah. So there was that one thing I did. You know, sometimes when you read a book that happens in multiple time frames uh-huh. the jumping back and forth can be jarring but right. i did not experience that at no. all no because she wove the threads with them one 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 character's story helped inform the others back and forth not just sure. somehow i just felt i felt this bonding between them you know through through the ages and it was just so well written very distinct different time periods that were chosen very well i think there's also the presence of the spiders but i don't know how one was present in kate's life do you remember so there's goldie for violet who she keeps under her bed uh-huh. <laughs> jumping spider I in a shoebox so sweet and then there's the spider that gives comfort to alpha in mm-hmm. her um cell in her cell and then in the courtroom yeah do you remember a spider for kate no no i don't it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I just well, don't remember. Maybe it was that's in the bookshop. The maybe it was in the bookshop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I love her friendship with the bookshop owner. That yeah. she found community. Well, that's a great moment where she's like feeling emboldened to ask for a job. Yes. Yep. Um, did you connect with one character more than the others? If so, why? Huh. Or maybe not connect with, but like did you feel more i guess connect is the right word yeah. i guess you could also just more say affinity? which is your favorite yeah. yeah oh that's too hard to choose yeah they were all re- very distinct like their own people i really liked kate's like we said store like character arc yeah mm-hmm. she was maybe the most i don't want to say the most bland but like she didn't have her connection to her gifts right away mm-hmm. like we experience that a lot more with alva i feel like so learning f- so her perspective was interesting to read because she was already there mm-hmm. but i feel like part of kate's disconnect initially was because she didn't grow up around there she didn't grow up in that region she mm-hmm. grew up elsewhere yeah. mm-hmm. and she came back to that area and there was something I don't think it was, it wasn't until she could connect with the crows. I don't think that, that she didn't connect with the crows as a child elsewhere. She did. She had but, to give herself permission to again. Yeah. Oh. She blamed herself for her father. She always had right. an affinity for. She nature. would have. Yeah. But, um, she was self, she was punishing herself for what she thought she'd caused. Yeah. Um, when in fact we have now discovered it was violence. Yes. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I'm going to choose Violet because she needs a mom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that like, yeah, she needs a mom. Um, 
what do the parallels in their stories say about the female experience and or the degree to which society's treatment of women has evolved over time? I love that was what, like that aspect of the book is like their interconnectedness and growing and learning from each other. Um, I think says everything about the female experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, uh, like the history of gossip, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, it's, it's put in a negative connotation, but that's how like word spreads yeah. and it's, and it's supposed to be like, it's bad. We don't gossip, right? But like without those mostly female connections, you don't learn and grow and learn to protect yourself mm-hmm. in bad mm-hmm. situations. Right? right. So I think that the female experience of sharing communal knowledge to get yourself to visualize and to get to your own potential and to get yourself out of your out of situations that are of no way your fault, right? Like it's yeah. society's sort of inner workings that allow these abusive men to reign over these women, yes. right? And yeah. with and with and to no frame the circumstances. And with no sort of backing to get out of those circumstances themselves or you know with help they have to learn to do it themselves that was the most shocking turn in the book but of course it had to be i guess Mm -hmm. that alpha is acquitted i know (laughs) i was like this is amazing i know oh especially back then right i'm like wow but they actually like like because you you think of these trials like anytime a witch is on trial that it's like this is a hung yep, she's yeah, the whole time I'm reading it. I'm like, there's absolutely no evidence, but that means absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and the fact never stopped it before, <laughs> no. right? That they're like, okay, well, she didn't read this. She didn't read this. She didn't read this. Yeah. Oh, they all have birthmarks. All three. Of them oh, yeah. They have birthmark. the uh, the witch's mark. Yep. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay well i mean i guess it had to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was really something yeah um i think this is right around the time i mean it's a different country of like the salem witch trials that was Mm -hmm. like the 16 i think that's later in the 1600s Mm -hmm. but yeah just because there's no evidence to the contrary doesn't mean that i don't know how the justice system works in the 1600s in england but i was not expecting it to go that way of a peasant woman really not expecting that Nope. Um, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I and love yet that. she knew she still wasn't safe. No. She's like, I could go home and they could still string me up yeah, and yeah, burn yeah. me. My, my village could, you know. <laughs> sure. Have your gold piece, dude. Yeah. Want another? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was like, wow, what a turn of events. <laughs> um, This last question says, in what ways does this novel nudge at the idea of a woman returning to her natural, most free state of being. What does it mean to you to utilize the gift of your inner wild? Which I think is a very big question. Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> the whole, like, returning to your natural free state of being. I would like to think that being a hippie and running around naked in the woods is awesome, but you can't really do that in no. this day and age in I'm a responsible way. In my natural slug <laughs> state of being. <laughs> well, I like that... Like, maybe it's not so much about your inner wild, you know, being... Sure. Not everyone's wild on the inside. Forest nymph. Yeah. But truly, like, connecting with your true self and not denying your, like, who you should or could be. 
But maybe it's society that makes me think that I'm not allowed to do that, right? It's capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So without those constraints, I could run around naked in the woods as a hippie child. Yeah. But I can't because I got to make money. Well, that was a thought I was having actually particularly <laughs> about her mobile is like she has all her needs met right now. She has a job that like she has a home. Mm-hmm. She has a job that's going to like get them what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so she like has enough. And she could just sit and make something for the sake of making something beautiful. Isn't that great? And that's not something I often, like, I could do that more. Sure. <laughs> but it's not something I grant myself that often. Like, to be allowed to spend as much time making as I do, I feel like I have to, like, make it pay off. Capitalism. Yeah. Must be for a class. <laughs> right. You know, or, or whatever it whatever. is. Yeah. Like. Like, why am I doing this? How will this, how can I, do I have, I should probably should monetize this. Yeah. It's, Rather than just, this has no intrinsic value other than it makes me happy. Yeah. How often do we get to that? Gen? So maybe that's what this last question could, how it could apply to us, right? Yeah. What does it mean to utilize your gift of your inner wild? It's like connecting to that, like maker spirit. You can yeah. make a baby, you can make a beautiful yeah whatever it is right like yeah. that's a power that you have the choice to do it or not do it because right. like as heart-wrenching as violet's choice is like that was the only choice for her mm-hmm. like the choice to not be a mother right um like the you know the ability to have that freedom. and she says she could be happy on her own the rest of her life and she was right yep like mm-hmm. she she might have been happy being a mother in the right circumstances. Yeah. Well, that's but what she, she knew- says to her, her, do- yeah. her daughter is, like, you came to me at the wrong time. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's all the questions I have. I think we had a pretty good discussion this uh, this well, month. It was a good mm-hmm. um, Anybody else read anything good this month? Oh, yes. <laughs> Katie, you want to go first? Um, <laughs> I haven't read anything else this month. I did start a book that I want to talk about, which I know is not the rules That's for this. Okay. We'll um, be lenient with you since you're usually very reasonable in this section. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a weird choice, but I was, when I went on this trip, um, this road trip where I listened to the book, um, I visited a bookstore and on the like new releases. <laughs> this book called what is it called bookshops and bone dust um so i guess it's a follow-up to the first novel of this author um but it's basically like a fantasy novel sort of like a DD setting (laughs) but it's like small town romance (laughs) set in this world and i was like oh my god i have to read this i have to show you bookshops and bone dust this is the cover Oh, yeah, I've seen that advertised a ton. Okay. And I think oh, there's bad. another book. There Lattes and something. This is supposed to be like the cozy yes. um, cottage core. Yeah. Legends and Lattes is the first one, which I haven't read. Um, but I did start this one and I am very much enjoying it. It's about like an ogre woman who like gets injured in battle and she has to go to this small town and like learn to <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and I was like, this sounds like a cozy little like small that. town novel but since in this like uh, genre, I was like, I'm very excited to read this book. So I haven't finished it yet, but I did want to mention it. I, Honorable I mention. You are a full. I can't remember the right <laughs> term because I think I think that I'm mixing it up with what you could call Kevin. That you're a dice checker now. 
Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, sure. A dice goblin. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but he, because he's a, a like a card flipper or something. Okay, got what, it. Wait, the back and forth is supposed yes, to be. Yes, Magic the Gathering versus yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's. Strong I, cost crossover. And I learned same parent company right now. Oh, of course. Not always. It wasn't always. But. Anyway, that's my honorable mention. Okay. Well, thank you for. I I'll report back next curious. month when I finish it. I've been curious about it because I've seen the first book advertised a ton. I need to find like the audiobook version because I'm never going to get the book read. Yeah. But I love to buy the book from the bookstore. Well, oh my god! I found the most perfect. Somebody, I I hope I liked it because I need to go back to her feed and like look at her feed and see if I need to follow her. Okay. It was how do you read so many books with um a parent as a parent of young children, and she <coughs> has earphones on while that voiceovers going and she says oh you mean my shelf awards for when i finish an audiobook exactly and she picks up a diana yeah diana gabaldon book and she's like this book and she's i saw it that it's so it. true she's like this is 42 hours yeah that's <laughs> that's, that's so wayward true. Is. this is my this is my uh <laughs> my shelf trophy. It's a shelf trophy which wayward is a a good shelf trophy yes not everything deserves a shelf trophy no but this is i like that <laughs> when i when i want to go back and yeah. read it you know, IRL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I can. I think that I will want to revisit, revisit this book every once in a while. Um, so else? shelf trophy. That's Got it. Trophy. Yep. Uh, I read a lot of books. Of course Not you did. as many as I expected, considering how much time was put in here at the studio from our last book club to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did a lot of making in that I time did. period. So you yeah. get a lot of listening done. Yeah. Book of Lost and Found, Lucy Foley. It's one of her early books. It's not a murder mystery like her current three popular books are, but it is so beautiful. Okay. I have said before I'm a little sick of World War II books, but... Um, oh, like, I this read was something else offensive. this month. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll Sorry, talk. I just noticed my uh, history. I read a book called Secretly uh, Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey, which was like a romance novel yeah. Not, not Fluff. groundbreaking one. No, I also listened to that when I was I driving. Because I listen when you say it's a good one. You know? It was fine. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but it was yeah. fine. Um, you, wouldn't really. re- you wouldn't recommend it, but you wouldn't not recommend right. it. If you like a light, fluffy, slightly steamy romance novel, it was fine. Okay, that could have been something I needed this month, which I'll get to. Okay. Um, Lucy Foley, great. She's always been talented. Because so, I like to read an author's books from new oldest to newest because their evolution is so interesting to me um and sometimes when you go back on an author they're such like fledgling into their talent that it's a little challenging to read actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but this was as good as anything i've read from her okay um this is how you lose the time war by al amel L. Hotar and Max Goldstein. I listened to this book twice. It's pretty short, but it is one of the best things I've read all year. Mm. It's like a four hour audiobook, maybe. And it's this it's Romeo and Juliet. It's deep literary reference. It's science fiction. It's things moving through time and space mm. and it's really good. Okay. <laughs> it's an epistolary novel. So like the storytelling style is also very artful. I don't want to say more about it because I think you should experience it. And I, it's, it's really good. What's the name of it again? This is how you lose the time war. Okay. It's so good. 
<laughs> so it was a, another book this month that got double listen. Got it. Um, I finished Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which I li- mentioned earlier. Uh-huh. Um, heart wrenching, beautiful, absolute gem. Of okay. A book. So good. And the premise is it's focusing on Shakespeare's wife. Mm-hmm. Maggie O'Farrell seems loves historical storytelling, but she does tweak the facts to sure. fit her narrative, which she admits readily in the author's notes. Um, she gets criticized for it, but she doesn't like say anything to the contrary that she's doing that. Um, I would also recommend this book. It was like highly recommended the year it came out, which yeah. I want to say is 2021. Breeding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. This is a nonfiction book. It's oh, a book yeah. that um, Tamber is doing as like a read-along. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a book club, but it's some kind of like active read-along. Right. This book is going to reverberate in my head for a long time. Okay. She is a... Um, she's, not, she's not a just a biologist. She's um, an ecologist who is also, um, you know, of indigenous descent. And she speaks to her experience of her upbringing and science and like really speaks to how we should treat the earth Mm. in a very like approachable and sustainable real way okay it's very good (laughs) um silver nitrate by sylvia moreno garcia and velvet was the night by sylvia moreno garcia who i really like i know we love mexican gothic uh Like, there were, like, mixed opinions about Mexican Gothic, but I like her as an author. I Mm -hmm. really like her when she does go supernatural, though. Yeah, yeah. Velvet Was the Night was actually just, like, a telling of, um, like, some corrupt things that happened in 1970s Mexico City. Okay. (laughs) Which was a horror story. But Silver Nitrate was horror with a basis in reality, but also in supernatural, and that was a little stronger. The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell, which is a... Another historical storytelling of um, one of the Medici children being married off to a heinous, awful human being and his eventual murder of her. They tell you at the beginning she's going to okay. be murdered and it's historical fact. Got it. Um, not as good as Hamnet. It was like she was trying to recreate the magic she had in Hamnet mm. and it just wasn't it as good. Go. It was what really strengthened it in my memory was immediately reading Wayward after it. Okay. Because it was the same kind of abusive, rapey, you're at the um, hands of this man who is in complete control of your life. Right. And holds your life in his hands to eventually snuff it out. Uh-huh. Um, so reading Wayward right after this one really upped its quality because it was so, like, complimentary, which was just a dumb dumb luck <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Hamnet amazing mega marriage portrait meh so do you guys remember I was saying that there was this woman on Instagram who said these five books I won't accept any um, criticism about and then I could never tell you what the five books were mm-hmm. yeah um, so I finally found her Okay. she came back up in my feed and I'm like this is her because she had a list of seven books that she recommends everybody reads in their whole lives which I won't get into. Okay, the five books were books that we have all read, and I think we would agree with her about, like, accepting no criticism or okay. little to none. Circe. Loved it. Mm-hmm. 
the next one is um man i love that book yeah rebecca's her next <gasps> recommendation okay so right we're like Rebecca, next Rebecca. is a court of mist and fury okay, okay yeah. right all right then she goes to recommend A Little Life, which at that point was a book I had not I heard not. of at all. It's by Hanya Yanagura. Okay. Yanagura. <laughs> um, and then the last book in the list is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Okay. These are, yeah. like, four of those are my, yeah. some of my core favorites. Sure. So A Little Life is going to be to that caliber, right? And it was. I am not necessarily recommending this book. Which she also says. Okay. Because it is going to completely wreck you emotionally. Oh, no. It is absolutely beautiful. It was over 30 hours. It was, I wouldn't trade reading it for anything. But again, kind of like, like, I'm I'm not mad about it anymore. But Celeste Ning's book are, are what hearts? Oh, are missing missing hearts. Are missing hearts. Like, wrecked me emotionally, but at least it was shorter. Okay. <laughs> um, I know it's unfair that I was mad about it, but I was. Uh, I took a picture of myself after I finished reading <laughs> this book because I'm like, I think I need to like, I think I need to like record like, how I felt oh. after <laughs> finishing <laughs> a little life. I am puffy and red and tear filled, but it was so beautiful, guys. Okay. <laughs> so if you find yourself with the emotional strength to face this same thing. I can't tell you more about it. Okay. Because it has to reveal itself to you. Okay. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but if you could take the strength of that girl's recommendations and my speaking to this, the gist is that it is these four friends who meet in college and we wa- follow them through their adulthood. Mm. Um, okay. So I needed a palate cleanser and I saw you had, it was sitting out people we met on vacation. Oh Yeah. I loved that one. It was really good. It was very good. Yeah. It's Emily Henry, I yes. think. She's I've read two of her books and they're they're both great. They're, I can't remember the other so one, sweet. but it was a good one. But I realized it was exactly the same story. I mean it's different. But it's the same story. Two people who <laughs> met in college went to adulthood yep. and have a love story. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really the palate cleanser I needed. <laughs> uh and it has emotional depth. It just doesn't go where a little life does. There's a lot of trigger warnings for a little life, though, so you okay. might want to Google that too before you Good get to know. into it. Uh, but I'm not going to reveal anything to you. I finally read the Atlas Six and the Atlas Paradox by Olivia Blake. It was mm-hmm. very good. Um, it was much better than the novel we read of hers. Which one was um, that? I have to look. It had a blue cover. <laughs> <laughs> helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> Uh, I could Google it while you yeah, talk. Okay, um, and then the last thing was before I read Wayward again. I am, I am, I am, by Maggie O'Farrell, and um, that is a nonfiction. The other Olive Blake was Alone with You in the Ether. Mm. Oh, um, was that the people with the art? Yeah, the art okay. student, the manic art student. Yep, yep, yep. And the um, mathematician. Yes. Um, the Atlas Six has like. Lots of interesting characters, and it's got a magical element to it. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, Maggie O'Farrell's book, I Am, I Am, I Am, is her brush with 17 brushes with death. So it's a memoir told through these near-death experiences she's had in her life. Interesting. And she's a woman in her late 40s, early 50s. Um, It was to the caliber of Hamnet. It was very good. 
she's a very talented writer even though i didn't like the marriage portrait so everything she writes is really beautifully done even you know even though it could be better uh-huh. <laughs> that is my list wow of things i really tried because like i reread <laughs> yeah and re-listened <laughs> no that's a lot of that's a lot of books they were all really good though guys i was gonna edit my list but i had to talk to you about a little life okay but be strong yeah be strong if you need it or skip it completely if you can't look like that puffy face dan that was the last time it made me cry too not the first oh yeah no (laughs) i'm sure there were many of those faces okay karen ready for your list well audible had their creature feature of six books i'm holding on i got through four of them nice well they're not free anymore they were only free for a time. That's why I only oh, got through four. But I had other things. Okay. So next year maybe. And I was like, I mean, they're dollar ninety nine, but I don't want to. Oh, okay. They're not bad, bad, but um, those teases. The pram was good mm-hmm. and creepy. Ankle snatcher. They're all by different authors, right? They're all by different authors. The pram is by Joe Hill. Um, ankle snatcher by Grady Hendrix. So you know you're gonna That's love gonna it. That's gonna be good. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be good. In Bloom by Paul Tremblay, also an excellent author. It Walks in the Woods. It was good. So, I mean, like, I was sucked in. Um, And they're all, like, really, really short. Like, less than an hour, I think, stories. Ah, I should have taken a break. Yeah. Uh, The real books I read, I mean, these are also real books, but these were more short stories. Lengthier. Lengthier books. The Takedown by Lily Chu. Um, That was fun. And I had thought that I had read All the Light. I thought I knew I had the book All the Light We Cannot See. Yeah, I read that a couple months ago. I thought I'd read through it. Apparently, I'd only gotten a very, very short length into it. Because when I started to listen to it again, I'm like, I don't remember much after the first couple chapters. Hmm. So apparently, (coughs) pardon me, it's something I started. But so this time, I did get through it by Anthony Doerr. Um, I did watch the Netflix after, mm-hmm. or a, uh, when I was almost done. I'm like... Yeah, it's like catch up to each other. And it is different. Each... I like each retelling, each telling in its own way. Okay, that's good. I do feel... I do feel like the book gives you a, gives you the, and this is what happened to them later in life, that, you know, that you may not experience in... So they don't have okay because that epilogue is really important. I think. Yeah, the epilogue's not in this. It, the it's epilogue's not. so important. Okay. So, <laughs> either that or I mean, as far as I know, it's just a movie, right? It's not or no, it's a series. So it's maybe. A series. So maybe they're going to release more, and maybe I just caught up to where they were. I haven't looked at it at all. So, um, yeah, so that was really good. I am re- rereading Coffee Land. Um, coffee land is that story of the, how coffee comes to oh, us. It's really yeah. good. Um, from the cover, it's one man's drink empire and the morning, um, I'm trying to read the very, very small thing. Um, you read this before though? I did read. Yeah. So this is a reread. Gotcha. So, I mean, things like Hills brothers, you know, that is not the same as James Hill who is the one who most of the, most of the coffee that beans that we know of come from um, San Salvador. There what there's a story of it before. Like if you've heard of, of Arab, Arabica beans, 
Arabica beans are a misnomer, an intentional misnomer. And this is why I know some people are like, they don't like Arabica beans because they think they're inferior when they kind of are. Um, at the time, coffee was coming from like Turkey and those pea, the pea berries, as they call the, the little things that we now call coffee beans. Um, they come in different sizes, different shapes. And the ones that were coming from, from that Turkey, Turkey area were from Turkey in the Middle East. Um, it wasn't called that at the time. Um, they have a different, different flavor, different quality. Mm-hmm. Most people don't really know what that is and they don't really know. And the reason why they started making ground coffee was to hide the fillers. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they they sold it to miners as more as more readily usable but it all but because you were not getting the whole bean you really don't know what was in your coffee oh, no. they throw a little chicory a little little other stuff in there to try to stretch it out so um but life on uh, on a coffee plantation and how it changed the economy and really the world and industry as we know it cuz it when this was being developed is right at the beginning of the industrial age so anyway, it's really fascinating and I'm excited to be re-listening to it again. Yeah, I mean, when something merits a, a revisitation, it's nice when it pays off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a book that I actually had the physical copy of. Your shelf, your shelf. Uh, no, I shared, shelf my, I shared my shelf trophy with, oh. with someone that I'd met while working an election site oh, it because he's from San Salvador. And so this was, oh, this is all history that happened before his time mm-hmm. from his childhood, but before his childhood. So, you know, I passed it along because it's such Aww. a great book. And I'm like, you know what? I want to listen to that again. So. Nice. Didn't sound like I read as much. Maybe I was a. Well, it's hard to follow him. <laughs> it's hard to follow <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, who I'm, I'm pick... going to listen to Lonesome Dove next. It's the, it's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Do you, uh, it's your pick next, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, what are we All reading? Right. For December. Okay, so I do feel like we were um, maybe manipulated into this book. <laughs> so I sent, I got this, I got a, maybe it was a BuzzFeed. No, it was Book Riot. Book Riot um, had a oh, uh, yeah. quiz of like, let's match you to your perfect next um, horror read. And um, it had all these questions about like what's your favorite and they were mostly like literary some of them were um tv and movie based like which one appeals to you the most and took you through i don't know a dozen questions Uh maybe and um then i texted karen because i was curious if she would match up and then i made katie take the test because i'm like karen i got the same thing i wonder what katie will get yeah, we have very different taste in a lot of things. Yeah, so. so we all three of us got this book as the recommendation. So I'm like, do all re- all roads lead to Damascus, you know? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm still picking it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. I picked up my copy at Tambor Books. Ever since Vera and Thiago bought the Itza, life has gone has gotten strange. The ads for the world's most advanced smart speaker didn't mention scratching in the walls, eerie music in the dead of night, or peculiar packages. Who ordered industrial strength lie? Ooh. It's weird but amusing. 
right up until Vera is killed and Thiago's world becomes unbearable. The only thing left to do is to get as far away from Chicago as possible. But Thiago soon realizes there is no escape, not from his guilt, not from his anger, and not from the evil hunting him, feeding his on his pain, looking for a way into this world. The startling, darkly funny horror novel about grief and rage, the loneliness of living between cultures, and the all-too-real oppressive intimacy of technology, Gus Moreno's This Thing Between Us marks the arrival of a spectacular new talent. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So it's your Alexa or your Google speaker has come for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, okay. This is yeah. why I don't like having that one in our in our room. I don't know. When they first came out, I'm like, I mean, I know I have a Google speaker now, but but half the time it pops up and starts making suggestions and I have to say, shut up. Nobody asks you. Yeah. My, um, I mean, it started with the Xbox having um, voice commands. It's oh. already new, like, Microsoft was listening. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I've been broken in on yeah. that for a long time, I guess. Yeah. My There's no getting around it. Yeah. It was coming. Just like, uh, what is that called? The singularity? Yeah. AI is coming yeah. for us. The singularity. Yeah. So anyway, well, good. I'd like to welcome my AI overlords. <laughs> I know. My mother-in-law's like, I don't understand. I was just talking to Jimmy about this thing. And now this ad pops up on my Kindle. I'm yep. like, isn't there a way to turn this off? I'm like, oh, mom, nope. that sh- that ship sailed. Yeah, nope. you know, The way you turn it off is don't ever use your Kindle again, ever. Or don't have it in your house or go live in a, wait, that's not going to work for Gus's character in this book, I think. I was going to say go live in a wilderness. Mm, yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it. Sounds like and it's, it's going to chase him. It's not just that your phone is listening to you. It's yes. everybody's phone is yeah. listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, even and, if and you don't have a phone. And even if it's not listening to you. Yeah. It's talk they're talking to each other. Well, I searched for some fabric from Fat Fat Quarter Shop that I put in my in my um cart. Mm-hmm. And then at work where I n- never plug my phone into my work computer, it charges from yeah. the outlet. It started showing me those exact fabrics as ads on websites on the work other. computer. And then there was like something that I wonder if my husband Googled <laughs> that I really uh-huh. don't want to like appear on my work computer. Ooh, okay. okay. Or I'm like, I hope it was my husband, not one of my sons. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway. I won't ask any questions. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you off the air, I guess. <laughs> well, let's let's continue so. this conversation next month when we read this book and uh, yeah. see if... Uh, AI is going to kill us all. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will be with you in a couple weeks for our latest podcast episode. It'll come out the first Tuesday of the month. Our book club episodes come out the third Tuesday of the month, except for this one will be a day late and we hope you uh, understand. Um, and we will see you then. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.